You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4-6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green Peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Good morning and welcome to The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky and today joining me, we've got Ted Ohashi. Ted, uh, you've been involved in investing uh, around the cannabis space, but long before the cannabis space came came along uh, for almost about 40 years, if uh, I remember correctly. Those changes, obviously, the uh, the trends you saw in previous waves, how do you see them, you know, as you as you go forward and looking at the the market cycles? Um, It's something that I uh, talk about a lot. Um, I I think the cannabis group right now uh, is functioning separate or uh, disconnected to the major overall markets. Um, So I don't expect what's happening on the Dow in the U.S. or on the TSX in Canada to have much impact um, on the cannabis group. Um, So What's happening, I think, um, is, I mean, the past, oh, nine months or so, <clears throat> the cannabis group has been in what we would call a traditional bear market. Uh, the stock prices have been uh, generally declining. Um, and, um, I mean, that's the bad news. The good news is, um, I think, based on my experience in other past cycles, um, we're, we're probably close to the bottom here in terms of, of the cannabis stocks. Um, it may not feel that way when you check the uh, quotes every morning, but it's exactly that kind of environment um, out of which uh, the next uh, major upturn will begin. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we saw that with technology and we've seen it with many other uh, cycles in business. There's, especially early on in an industry that's developing, you're going to have shakeouts and there's going to be uh, reckonings that go on where companies that aren't performing are being held accountable where before people were just looking at growth, growth, growth. Then at a certain point it becomes, you know, there, there's a certain point at which people step back and assess and say, really, what's you've, you know, we've invested, we've spent the time, why are you not getting there? And companies that stand out and succeed are going to get rewarded. Um, <clears throat> So when you look at, as you said, with the last few months in the cycle, it's been brutal out there. I know we went through a fundraise uh, over the summer, and it was incredibly challenging. But 
we're seeing a lot more appetite coming from new areas as well. And how much of your, how much of the work you do looks at not just the investment across Canada, but where it's coming from out of the States, LATAM, Asia, and the change in activity? Well, uh, quite a lot, actually. Um, I, I publish a uh, cannabis uh, investment newsletter called Let's Talk Business. Um, and two thirds of my uh, readers are um, out of the U.S., uh, about 30% out of Canada. And um, I think the last time I looked, we were distributing to around 36 countries around the world. So, um, yeah, it, what I do is take a very broad brush uh, look at things and, uh, and try to identify um, hot little areas. Yeah. So when you talk about hot little areas, what do you see coming up? I mean, I see, personally, I see obviously the shift where there's all the B2C players who are trying to figure out the next phase, but it's not obvious that it's going to be from within that that area of the market that the next big run is going to come. What do you see? Um, well, I, I see a couple of things. I, I think the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, market is uh, moving fairly rapidly in the right direction. Um, I think that um, uh, politicians respond to poll numbers, and I think uh, around two-thirds of uh, Americans now uh, believe that uh, cannabis uh, generally should be uh, legalized. Um, There are over a thousand bills uh, regarding cannabis that are working their way through uh, various federal and state legislatures. Um, and, you know, we're aware of, of some of the important ones. There's the banking bill the, um, that is uh, just going through. Um, and, and there are a number of others that, that basically um, make things better. So um, one of the areas that, that I like very much uh, is the U.S. Um, and, uh, and I think there are uh, great opportunities to be had there. Um, in Canada, uh, we've, uh, we've just had the election and it looks like the liberals will, uh, form the next government and it's a minority government. So, uh, historically those have lasted a couple of years. I think this one might last a little bit longer than that. Um, but, um, things look stable, uh, for the next two or three years. Um, and of course, the big thing uh, that uh, just started last month in Canada uh, are the edibles. Um, and so um, I think that's uh, an area to look at. And also, um, uh, I like the uh, distribution uh, companies in Canada or the, or the distribution sector in Canada, I should say. Um, I've been looking for uh, a company or two that uh, that will give me the exposure I want, and I found a couple, but uh, they're still private, and uh, uh, they were supposed to be public by this point in time, but the markets have been uh, bad. So, um, uh, but you know that's an area that that I think will do very well. Um, I also like, uh, uh, in particular, a company out of Colombia. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if if I just gave you a pen and a piece of paper and said, you know, figure out what's the best place to grow cannabis. Um, you know, Canada would probably be pretty far down the list, uh, as would the U.S. Um, in the past year and a half, 
I've been down to Columbia oh, three or four times. Um, and every time I'm there, the weather is the same. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the day is always 12 hours long and the night is always 12 hours long. Um, and, um, uh, it's kind of the, uh, perfect environment to grow things. And we know that because Colombians are known internationally for their coffee, uh, and their cut flowers and their bananas. And, uh, so there's a, there's a very agricultural bent to them. So I, I like that area very much. Uh, and, um, uh, a company named Chiron in particular. Yeah, no, we're very familiar with Chiron, uh, you know, Pl- uh, Plano, we've got a, uh, an entity down in Columbia as well. It's uh, 3.2 million square feet of uh, area just outside of Bogota. Not all of it's in production yet, but uh, that's the facility size. And, you know, you don't have to sell me on Columbia. It's uh, the advantages of operating there for the production of cannabis vis-a-vis Canada or anything, you know, even California and anywhere else like that. Columbia just beats it hands down. But, uh, even better than Colombia is going to be what we've got going in Peru, where the conditions are. I mean, I refer to it as nature's greenhouse because it's uh, you've got unbelievable conditions that really have zero variability. But where in Colombia you get some, you know, you have some more humidity, you have some more pests in certain areas, or we're up at eight and a half thousand feet where we grow. It's uh, you've got colder nights, Peru. It's 26 during the day and 14 at night. So for our U.S. listeners, that's about 60 at night and 78, 80 during the day. And uh, that's year-round. And it's the opportunities to produce down there. There's a reason the cut flower industries left California, went to Colombia, and avocados and tomatoes and lettuces and things have moved to Peru, which produces 14% of the world's food now. There's there's regions in the world and opportunities to do things better than others. And... uh, cannabis industry isn't immune or unlike any of that but you touched upon the politics earlier and you know yes you we had the the elections in Canada uh, a couple of weeks ago and we ended up with a minority government and most parties don't have any cash in the coffers to run another election so we're probably looking at a good two years um, maybe three of minority government and in the states there's the uh, the elections today or tomorrow as it uh, yeah. turns out so anybody listening to this it'll be uh, in in his, historical election, but uh, we've got the uh, the act moving through the U.S. Congress, which takes cannabis from Schedule One to Schedule Three, which would change it into a pharmaceutical prescription uh, distribution nationally. The uh, these trends that we're seeing, I mean, what are the risks to anything going back? Well, um, in in Canada, uh, what I was concerned about was uh, the, the conservatives here have been. Vocally anti-cannabis, um, and so had they been able to form government, um, then I don't think they would have rolled it back. I mean, I, I think that ship has sailed. But um, you know, they they could have slowed things down a lot. Um, and so, uh, with the Liberals there, I think the the Canadian picture um, for the next two or three years, as you said, um, should be fairly stable. Uh, I think the the political picture in the U.S., um, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, is on an improving trend. Um, and you know, my political predictions aren't any better than anyone else's. But uh, my suspicion is that um, uh, with the elections going on, 
the the next uh, four or five years will uh, accelerate <clears throat> the um, improvements in regulations in that market. Um, internationally, uh, of course, they're all different. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, you kind of have to go country by country. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we've seen recently, for example, in Mexico, uh, where they've been trying like crazy uh, to legalize and the court even instructed them a year ago <clears throat> to uh, require them to legalize uh, before uh, the end of October of this year. Uh, and, and they just weren't able to accomplish it. Uh, and so the court has given them another six month extension. Uh, so legalization is coming in that region. Um, but it, it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, and, uh, so, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I think worldwide there's a pro cannabis movement that is taking place. Um, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, no, I, don't, I think it's going to change either. I just was wondering, you know, your thoughts on um, will a minority government in Canada be hung up from, or will it be able to move more aggressively? And will all the turmoil in the U.S. markets cause it to really uh, be stuck in what it goes to? And I think we'll uh, come back to that after the break with Ted Hohashi. Thank you. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more 
of the Green Peak. All right, and we're back. I'm Richard Zwicky with Plena, uh, hosting Ted Ohashi on the Green Peak today. Ted, just before break, you were talking about the fact you like the distribution sector. Um, what areas about that appeal to you and why over any of the other areas in the Canadian market? Um, well, in Canada, it really stems from uh, the fact that um, uh, edibles are legal now um, and uh, that the first product should be hitting the shelves um, just before Christmas. Um, it's going to take about three months to get all the licensing and approvals done. Um, and uh, historically, in other markets, um, edibles have uh, become uh, an, an important product for the consumer. Um, and so I go from there to, well, you know, who's going to benefit if, uh, if consumers really want edibles and, and want to buy them? And, and that is the distribution companies. So um, that, that's sort of the, the thought process. Uh, quite simply, uh, that I've gone through. Um, I've also had some experience with uh, uh, companies in the state um, in in the distribution side of things, um, and uh, and as well, uh, you know, you're in Van- uh, Victoria and I'm in Vancouver, and so uh, we're quite familiar with um, the what people politely call gray market, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's actually illegal distributors. Yep. Um, and I've known some of them and, and those stores have been, you know, cash cows. Um, and that's why uh, people have defied the laws and paid fines of like $10,000 a day. Um, and it's simply because they're able to, the, the business is, is so good. So, yep. um, yeah. So I, I think, uh, for that reason, uh, distribution uh, is uh, one place to look at. No, I think that's that's very valid. I mean, we've been we approach the market from the perspective of until the the supply is figured out, the rest of it is going to be stalled or uh, crawling forward. Which is why we're, we've been developing large scale uh, production facilities. But obviously, once you're in the country. It's how you're getting it to the consumer, and you know I've heard some of the pharmacies talking about having OTC for the back half of next year um, for topicals and maybe some other uh, compounds. Do you see that possible, yeah. and do you see the supply being available for them out of the oh, Canadian sure. market? You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know the, the the nice thing about it is um, again. It, it's the separation of THC and the CBD. Uh, you know, this, this, it, most um, manufacturers of those kind of OTC products, uh, cosmeceuticals or, or whatever you want to call them, um, are, are basing their business model, at least at this point, uh, with a focus on CBD. Um, and so that makes it a lot easier uh, for approvals. Um, I mentioned Chiron earlier uh, out of Columbia. They, for example, starting this month will be uh, selling their cosmeceutical line in the United States. Um, and it's because, again, it's, it's totally uh, CBD based. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think all of that's valid. The, the other thing that you mentioned that uh, I just wanted to say a word or two about is, um, 
long term, I don't think growing is where you want to be. Um, and uh, especially in in Canada, I mean, I, I think certainly in 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 uh, the lower class regions of the world where you're talking uh, about producing uh, top quality cannabis at five or ten cents a gram, um, that that's yeah, we're coming fine. In, but we're coming in for medical grade at seven cents right now. Uh, yeah. from a production cost perspective. So, you know, compared to what everybody in Canada is still struggling to get below a buck fifty, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I think Organogram is is probably uh, the best, and they're they're just just under a dollar, um, and you know, and that's the very best. And and there are lots of them that are still dollar uh, fifty to two fifty a gram. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and you know, again, the legislation isn't helping. Um, if you if you go back to one of the main um, reasons for that the government gave for uh, legalizing cannabis in Canada was to get rid of the black market. Uh, well, uh, surveys show us that you know uh, legal product sells for something like five to seven times uh, the black market product. Um, and and a lot of that relates to uh, the the companies having to um, meet uh, a bunch of onerous um, regulations, uh, pay extra taxes, um, and and all of that sort of thing, which the illegal producers don't have to do. Um, yeah, no, and they don't. So, and in the you know Canada's relatively speaking, relative to the U.S., is still a small market. And you see in places like California where 5,500 groups applied for licenses to produce and 500 got them, those 5,000 didn't disappear. And unlike in Canada, at least the, you know, what we euphemistically refer to as the gray market, it ended up getting taxed and ended up integrating more into the general economy. In the U.S., it's still completely apart. And that's going to be a much harder transition because of the... I think because of the way the states are marching at a different pace than the feds, it's going to be a much more difficult transition to reconcile, but also to bring quality to market. The, you know, the Canadian example is very different from the U.S. And um, how do you see that, you know, the U.S. catching up with the rest of the world? Do you think it's just going to open up or do you think that it's going to really lurch along for a while still? Well, I, I think the most likely breakthrough, if you will, in the U.S. uh, would be some kind of action on the part of the federal government to to at least deal with medical marijuana uh, and and make that uh, legal uh, throughout the country. Um, I think in a year's time or a year and and six months to give the uh, government time to uh, institute some changes, um, I, I think the U.S. will will probably uh, deschedule or reschedule um, cannabis to you know a schedule two or three or four or or completely uh, remove it from the scheduling system. Um, I mean, it, it's a schedule one, which means you know there are no known health benefits, um, and the FDA has approved um, you know GWH's epidiolox and. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's obviously, uh, it obviously has 
health benefits that are proven scientifically and, and are accepted by uh, U.S. regulators. So I, I, I think that um, when that happens, uh, then, you know, you won't have to worry about it because uh, the Americans will uh, pound money into it and um, uh, the entrepreneurs will come to the surface. I mean, right now uh, in the U.S., I mean, there are absolutely no funds coming uh, to the companies down there from uh, investing institutions. Um, there's very little money uh, going to them from um, uh, retail investors or individual investors. Um, and so that's why we see them all listed up here in Canada. I mean, the, the Canadian stock exchange, uh, you know, has never had it so good. You know, we've been, we've been the outlet valve, valve for the U.S., uh, to be able to operate and develop and access the capital through the public markets for the last few years. And let's come back to that after the break. Uh, that leaves us a, a really interesting segment uh, for the discussion with regards to how the investors are going to be shifting their market. But also, you know, we touched a bit on LATAM and haven't really talked about Asia or Africa yet. But we'll come back to all that after the break with Ted Ohashi. And uh, I'm Richard Zwicky with Plena. Be back in a moment. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Thank to Cannabis Comp. Oh, you got me again. All right. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. Ah! Hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know the one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Climbing our way up, up, up to the cannabis summit of success. 
Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky, back with Ted Ohashi on The Green Peak today. And Ted, just before break, we talked about the U.S. banking industry and the uh, hedge funds, the investment banks that are really looking to participate in a greater way in the market, but have been limited by federal regulation and how so many of the American companies have had to go to the CSE uh, to be listed to access capital uh, for their operations. And it really it creates an interesting conundrum for any business where the access to capital is outside the market in which it's selling. Um, as the markets develop around the world, obviously we're seeing capital looking to LATAM because it is such a phenomenal production area. You touched upon uh, Chiron a few minutes ago, and obviously we're very, you know, I'm very biased uh, having an operation down in Colombia and uh, coming up in Peru as well uh, to the benefits of operating there. What do you see, and as you're speaking to investors in the U.S., do you see them turning, I mean, we see it, but do you see it in a broader context, them turning their eyes towards opening up those international markets and getting involved where they're still stuck in how to operate with some of the U.S. Uh, companies? Um, well, a, a little of both. Um, I, I think that, um, uh, as we were saying before the break, if uh, there were... Um, if if cannabis, for example, were rescheduled or descheduled, um, then I, I think there would be an explosion uh, of interest um, by Americans in America, uh, and uh, and the thing that is that has really uh, held that back, uh, as you mentioned, is is the financing. Um, at the same time, uh, there are certainly uh, a lot of companies that. Um, they're not sitting around waiting for something to happen in the U.S., uh, so they're uh, they've they've looked at Canada, um, and you know a couple of the big uh, uh, companies have made uh, cross industry um, investments uh, in Canopy or uh, companies of that sort, Kronos, um, and uh, several of them are looking at. Um, South and Central America, uh, because it's a region that they know well. Uh, Canadians know that region well because we were in there uh, exploring for minerals, um, you know, two or three cycles ago. So, um, you know, it's an area of the world that people are familiar with. Um, There's been a fair amount of interest in Africa. um, And, I, you know, I think the obvious advantage to Africa in addition to uh, the weather and climate, um, is, um, as we were saying during the break, you know, if, if they're producing cannabis at five to 10 cents a gram in Latin America, um, they're probably going to be able to produce it for one to five cents a gram in Africa. Uh, the real problem with Africa is um, you have some terrible government regimes there. Um, and, uh, and so that's going to be an ongoing problem. Um, it, it will be. And that's, you know, I mean, as we, uh, as we entered the market in Latam, it was part of the calculation, which, which countries had the stable political regimes and economic regimes. And if you don't have a good stable economy domestically, you're not going to have the political stability that gives comfort to the foreign investor. And that's where, you know, Colombia and Peru really stand out as being very stable uh, in yep. both. And then in Africa, there are some countries which really do stand out as, and they don't come. It's funny, the countries that don't are really the good ones to look at 
are not the ones you hear about, right? It's countries like Botswana that don't appear on anybody's radar because there's never any bad news. It's just a nice, stable country yeah. moving along, wealthy and uh, an opportunity. And I think that's part of you know the uh, calculation for everybody is to look at what really makes sense, and it's not uh, what's always in the news. What are you from that perspective? Um, do you hear much out of Asia for companies bringing on production outside of, of course, China with CBD? Yeah, um, not too much. Um, I, I think um, if, if you look at Latin America, for example, I think uh, cannabis and drugs have been a part of their society. Uh, it's, it's, there's been a historical link there going back hundreds of years. I mean, uh, even in Colombia, um, recreational cannabis or adult use cannabis is not legalized, um, but can it, uh, Colombian citizens uh, are allowed to grow their own plants uh, with limits and, and carry uh, cannabis within limits. Um, and, and the only reason for that is that legislation was passed 20 years ago uh, when cannabis wasn't on anybody's radar. Um, but it was such an integral part of their society that they approved it for their own people. And, and uh, that's lacking in Asia. Um, I, I really, um, I, I go back to the days when, you know, I used to travel to Asia um, and um, most Asian people that I met didn't drink. Um, and uh, <laughs> now that's changed. Uh, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, uh, I, I just don't think it's, it's, a, it's an integral part of their culture. I mean, if you're talking about Japan, Korea, um, China, um, that area, I mean, drugs are certainly, I think, more common in, in the Southeast Asian area. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, uh, you know, that's a difference between it being a something which is common in the culture. And then, of course, the is there an industry that's starting to develop there? And I'm seeing that there's interest, but there's still a couple of years out. And there's a, I think there's also a question of a lot of people underestimate the amount of time it takes to really bring and build a facility and bring it to market. We talk about in Canada or in the U.S., $500 a square foot being the cost to build a medical-grade facility. And while it costs, you know, the equipment still costs the same for a facility anywhere you go in the world for like an extraction equipment or anything else. But beyond that, we've got a uh, opportunities for growth in, uh, in other areas that give advantages because of the, the differences. But an industry still takes, or a firm starting up still takes a good 18 months at the minimum to get up on its legs and running. So Ted, we're running out of time, um, sure. or we are out of time and at the limit. And on that, I think uh, I'd like to thank you. We've had some really interesting insights. If you had one real trend change you think you'd like or you're expecting to see in the next uh, six months, what is it, be it in the markets or in the companies that are coming to market? Yeah, okay. Well, um, I, I guess what I would anticipate is uh, a, a general improvement in the cannabis stock market. Um, and uh, I know that there's uh, a backlog of companies out there uh, that are waiting to be able to raise capital to do some really uh, great things. Uh, and so maybe we'll see uh, a start to that sort of activity. All right. 
Ted, and for people who want to follow you, they can follow you on Twitter at, ed, at Ted Ohashi through investmentpitch.com as well as through your newsletter. Do you want to just run off the URL, the preferred URL, where people will follow your writings? Uh, sure. Um, well, the, the Let's Talk Business newsletter, um, uh, the uh, URL is um, letstalk.biz, B-I-Z. Uh, we'll get you to the website um, or... Um, you can email let's talk business uh, at gmail.com. All right. Well, thanks, Ted. Uh, thanks for joining the Green Peak today. And uh, we're all rewarded with uh, having the insights of one of the uh, you know, most uh, insightful investors in the marketplace. Thanks for joining today. I'm Richard Zwicky with Planet Global, and I look forward to talking to everybody again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.